You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the reading of the June edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. We're going to start with an article written by Cindy Reinhardt, A History of Community Governance Explorations. This is part two of a series. As reported last month, the question of governance has been explored numerous times by Crestone Baca residents and governing bodies, most recently in 2017 by the Governance Action Group, one of eight action groups that emerged from the Crestone Baca Resiliency Conference. As part of its mission to research and facilitate responsive self-governance for the Baca and Crestone resident community, the action group explored a wide range of governance options, met with local and state officials, encouraged communication between groups such as the Baca Grand Property Owners Association, POA, board, and Town of Crestone trustees, and supported an initiative for neighborhood organizing. One focus area was emergency preparedness, especially around community response to wildfire. Activities included interfacing with FireWise, the Sawatch County Office of Emergency Management, and the POA Board, as well as researching emergency communication systems. The group asked the POA whether sirens were operational and used, and about signage for the primary evacuation route. That signage is now in place, and according to the Baca Fire Department, the siren at the firehouse is operational. An informal meeting initiated by Action Group member Kizen Laki was held between POA board members and town trustees at the invitation of the town. Laki said there was a good exchange of mutual interests. However, there have been no additional meetings between the two groups. Another governance group initiative was CARE. Spearheaded by former resident John Luke Wall, CARE was an effort to organize labor, neighborhood pods to better connect neighbors, build community, and identify resources for supporting one another. Several neighborhoods organized, exchanged contact information, and hosted get-togethers despite resistance from some residents who preferred an anonymity. As noted by several governance group core members, with so many folks moving away and new residents moving in, maintaining this kind of effort is challenging. It's not known how many neighborhoods continue with this kind of engagement today. As far as governance, the group engaged the question, what models may be best suited to our unique community? Along with revisiting the feasibility of the Baca incorporating as a town, see History Part 1 in the May Eagle, other approaches to governance were considered, including common law and natural law, as well as ways to have more involvement by Sawatch County in the community. Although some approaches had passionate advocates, no consensus emerged from the Governance Action Group in support of proposing any one model to the community. A three-member subcommittee researched and compiled a draft board, Responsive Self-Governance for Crestone Baca, a research report of the Crestone Baca Resiliency Governance Action Group. According to subcommittee member Peter Gialli-Papp, the report was intended to serve as an education tool to raise awareness about the issue of local self-governance. Our subgroup wanted to present not only the conventional options, 
a statutory municipality and a home rule municipality, but alternatives. Asked how their work might contribute to the current debate about whether to incorporate the BACA or not, or to a broader community conversation, Gale Pap replied, a conversation should allow for us to think outside the box. Is there only one cookie-cutter approach to local self-governance, namely the mainstream one based on corporate law introduced in the 1870s? It has its strengths, but, weak, but a weakness is its mechanistic conception of reality, that is, one that's denuded of the spiritual. The subcommittee's report presents an approach to governance suggesting that how we govern ourselves should not be diverse divorced from how we perceive ourselves as a community. It suggests framing the question of governance around the community's values. Quote, taking a cue from the spiritual and ecological values that have shaped Crestone as a refuge for the past 40 years, end quote, and letting those values inform an alternative self-directed form of governance. Building on the idea of the care neighborhood pods, the report envisions the possibility of a self-governing structure with representatives from neighborhood councils acting as an assembly. It suggests that an elders council of wisdom keepers could function as the community's highest authority and that executive functions would be handled by the assembly. While the subcommittee does not claim to have all the answers or to solve the challenge of maintaining community engagement, its report offers the opportunity to consider a third way in a world that so often has us believe we must choose be between either this or that. Does the current lull in pro-con debate over a town invite us into a broader community conversation? Could this be our opportunity to reframe the governance question and explore what true self-governance and participatory democracy might look like in the context of upholding the values our community holds dear. As the draft report concludes, quote, the question remains whether the conditions and will for creating a more personal form of self-rule exists in Crestone. And now turning to an article written by another group, Roadmap for Succeeds Success Relies on Community. This was written by Amiel Warner. The nonprofit organization known as Succeed, Swatch County Sustainable Environment and Economic Development, is moving forward with its strat strategic plan implementation for 2023. Shaped during a workshop held in February with board members and community affiliates, the two-page document will steer Succeed's future actions through alignment with its four foundational pillars, community building, economic development, mindful land use, and health and social well-being. These four pillars were established in 1999 under a founding charter entitled Preserving Our Heritage, Designing Our Future, a Strategic Plan for Swatch County. Amel Warner, Development Director for Succeed, presented the implementation plan to Swatch County Commissioners at their work session on April 11th, stating that Succeed is open for business. Warner went on to present the recent accomplishments of the organization, including an overview of the February workshop, the addition of a bookkeeper to assist in keeping financials in order, the capable board now in place, 
and a review of the nonprofit affiliates who rely on Succeed as their fiscal sponsor. Succeed has a long history of enacting projects that support its mission to work together as a community to develop a sustainable economy that builds on our existing strengths, contributes to a strong integrated community, and protects the environment, rural lifestyle, and character of Sawatch County. With the implementation plan as a guide, Succeed is looking forward to taking on new projects to benefit Swatch County. Succeed has a long-term vision of serving as the economic development entity for Swatch County, County and serving the social and environmental needs of the region. It will have programs and partnerships involving housing, land use, education, community healing, food access, cultural heritage, and social well-being. Towards this goal, Warner is applying for grant funding to build capacity and establish the foundation for larger projects. In addition to its own projects, Succeed functions as a fiscal sponsor to a number of community organizations in the county, including the Crestone Energy Fair, SLV Seed Exchange, Crestone Artists, and Crestone Community Gardens, and anticipates the addition of more affiliate partners in the future. This fiscal sponsorship provides nonprofit tax benefits to the affiliates without the need to be established as a 501c3 on their own. These affiliates apply for this partnership to prove that they align with the mission, vision, and priorities established by Succeed Charter. Succeed is actively looking for civic-minded individuals from across Swatch County to join the board and advance sustainable economic development, protect environmental resources, and address pressing community needs. If you would be interested in joining Succeed or have a community group within Sawatch County that might benefit from Succeed's fiscal sponsorship, contact Board Chair Max Gibson via email at maxgib, that's M-A-X-G-I-B, at gmail.com, or Amiel Warner at development.succeed, that's the word development dot capital S, little c, and then capital S-E-E-D at gmail.com. Learn more about Succeed at the website scseedco.org and on Facebook. And now in food news, Valley Roots Food Hub. The Colorado local food system is thriving with strong regenerative agriculture and a league of stellar interdependent stakeholders. Together with other food hubs around the state, the Valley Roots Food Hub represents over 100 producers across produce, meat, dairy, and value-added products. Our home here in the breadbasket of the San Luis Valley hosts the lion's share of our valued producers and adding in the fruit production from the Western Slope, the beans and cornmeal from the Four Corners area, and the chilies and melons from the Lower Arkansas River Valley, we have a complimentary cornucopia of quality food for your year-round sustenance. We highlight producers who are actively growing their soil and who are producing food from living soils. We like to say your food choices are your three votes a day for the world you want to live in. And yet local foods can do even more than preserve the soil and nourish your body and mind with freshness, nutrition, and story. They are the cornerstone of healthy local economies where money stays and grows within the communities in which it is spent. Known as the multiplier effect, for every dollar spent locally, it grows to be two to three times the original dollar. 
Investing in your community has never been so important or accessible. You can access these foods through our online community-supported agriculture market or by visiting your quality hometown businesses of the Cresto Mercantile, Elephant Cloud Market, and OFIA. You can find us at online at valleyrootsfoodhub.com or call 719-206-2839. Or you can email sales at valleyrootsfoodhub.com for more information. And in happenings, we have this Crestone End of Life Project Registration Party. If you think you'd like an open-air cremation or natural burial for your send-off from this life, you must be registered with the Crestone End of Life Project, CEOLP, before you die. And the timing on that inevitable event, as we all know, is an unknown. The easiest way to register is at one of CEOLP's registration parties, and the next one takes place Saturday, June 24th, from 3 to 5 p.m. at Cloud Station in downtown Crestone. There, you'll find welcoming CEOLP volunteers to answer your questions and help you fill out the registration forms. A copy machine and notary public will be on hand in case you're ready to complete your registration that day. A $10 donation is requested and the notary's fee is $15. There will be tea, gluten-free cookies, and other light refreshments. The Cloud Stations Cafe will be closed during the event. Please bring your driver's license or other ID and contact information for your next of kin, physician, and the person you would like to designate as your CEOLP representative. You may also complete the forms at home by downloading the registration packet at the website crestoneendoflifeproject.org slash registration. And more happenings, Art in the Garden Tour. It's garden time. I know that I am already dreaming about how my garden will unfold in beauty this year. Consider if you would like to participate in this year's Art in the Garden Tour as a gardener, an artist, or a tourist. We're announcing the date and time early so we can all plan ahead. The tour is set for Sunday, August 6th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you'd like to participate, send an email to me, Shauna, at the email address moresca.copper at gmail.com. That's spelled M-O-R-E-S-C-A dot copper, C-O-P-P-E-R, at gmail.com to let me know what category you fall into. I'm happy to answer questions as well. I'll be coordinating the tour this year. If you have a garden to be part of the tour, include a paragraph on what makes your particular garden unique. Let me know which artists will be exhibiting in your garden or request a list of interested artists. If you are an artist interested in showing a garden, showing in a garden on the tour, send me your contact information along with a place where your work can be seen online or include an image or two in a desktop size format in your email. If you'd like to attend the tour as a guest, send me your email so stating to receive the tour details in advance with instructions for finding the different gardens along with descriptions of what each garden has to offer. And following up on the CEOLP event news, we have notes from the Pyre. Who wants to think about death? Why CEOLP registration is important. This is written by Lisa Gershkoff. 
Most people find death a difficult topic to discuss, much less contemplate. As a culture, we tend to pretend it's not going to happen. Yet, the time for individuals to discuss end-of-life preferences, ideally, is when they are healthy and of sound mind. Unexpected illness or injury can happen to anyone at any time. We can minimize the impact of these unexpected events to families and loved ones by actively planning ahead. Part of what the Crestone End of Life Project, CEOLP, does is raise awareness about the importance of advanced care planning. Just as living wills and medical power of attorney are two documents used to communicate your wishes in the event that you can no longer speak for yourself, end of life and disposition preferences require formal documentation. If you are a Sawatch County resident and wish to use CEOLP's services for open-air cremation or natural burial, you must be registered with us in advance. To register is to authenticate the wishes of the deceased. Registration helps ensure that there is no uncertainty or family discord about what those wishes were. CEOLP's registration form also collects information required by law to issue an EDR, or Electronic Death Registration, the step prior to legal certification of death by the county coroner. A CEOLP volunteer who is trained to submit the EDR uses the information provided on the registration form to enter the necessary and accurate details about the registrant. As one seasoned volunteer sagely noted, Things can get confusing when grief is in the house. Whether it's an inaccurate date of birth or a misspelling of the decedent's mother's maiden name, significant problems can arise when a person's record contains wrong or missing information. Given the importance of the registration process, it is essential to recognize the ramifications when your wishes are not formally documented with CEOLP. It truly pains us to turn families away but exceptions are rarely made if the required paperwork is not completed and filed with CEOLP ahead of time. The good news is we make it easy to register. The CEOLP registration parties are generally held twice a year, and the next one is set for Saturday, June 24th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Cloud Station in downtown Crestone. Friendly volunteers will be on hand to guide you through the process. If you would like to be served by CEOLP, don't let that paperwork wait. Death happens, whether we are ready for it or not. You can check their website for more information, and that would be CrestoneEndOfLifeProject.org. And now turning to the Into the Wild column written by Bruce Becker, Stranded on an Island. Anyone can do the things I've done if they're willing to live the life I've led. That's a quote from Fool's Crow. I'm reminded of the time the Army placed us individually on hillocks, small islands in the Everglades where we were left alone for five days as a phase of our survival training. We were given nothing but a jerry can of water, which I drank from using a hollow reed for a straw. We were to survive on what we could forage for ourselves. Well, at first glance, it looked pretty bleak. The Army wanted us to suffer, find our limits, and tough it out. Suffering never crossed my mind. I was a Cub Scout again and looking forward to a relaxing five days in the Florida sunshine. This hillock was maybe 150 by 250 feet and thankfully was dry and wooded. So I set about doing the basics as my dad, Hawkeye, had taught me. First was a good shelter off the ground. I chose a spot where some fallen trees lay next to a large live tree. 
I built a strong and roomy platform by laying logs close together on the down timber. Next, I built my Indian motel over the whole platform using the deadwood that was laying all around. I gathered all the dry firewood I could and put it in and under my shelter. Then I went to the shoreline and made big balls of black mud and carried them back and placed them on my platform to form the fireproof base to build my fire on. It was a thick and substantial base after many trips to make lots of mud balls. I used the lace from my army boot to make a bow drill and soon had a small fire burning. I kept the fire small in order to dry my mud base and keep it from cracking. All this was done in a few hours, with no mosquitoes, oddly enough. Now two of the three things I needed were done, fire and shelter. Now for food. The easiest way to get some was to build a simple fish trap like I used to make as a kid in the Skadanga River in the Adirondack Mountains. Fun and easy to make, it took me no time to have a strong and serviceable trap ready. After catching a few grasshoppers for bait, I was ready to sink and anchor my trap with a stick through it. The sun was just setting as I fell into the fisherman's inevitable pastime, waiting. I didn't have long to wait. When I saw my trap moving, I quickly grabbed the anchor stick and the trap and swung it out of the water and safely onto the bank. I pulled the inner basket out to find an eight-inch catfish inside. In minutes, I gutted him with a sharp splinter and, using some of his guts for bait, reset my trap. I roasted him on a stick and had supper. I made a backrest and watched the glow of a glorious sunset. The only tool I used all day was my boot lace. The next morning broke fine and clear, so I began exploring my little slice of paradise, looking for resources of any kind. I found no evidence of man, nothing. Now I was in my element, joyfully overwhelmed by the solitude. Not really hungry, knowingly, knowing I probably had a food source for four more days. I wasn't really alone, though. I shared my island with a cottontail who showed no fear of me at all. I watched him and followed him, observing where he went and what he ate. He was my teacher. He was particular in his choice of greens, so I picked what he ate. Not bad, and I had a nice addition to fish. I spent those sunny days naked, and when the boat picked me up five days later, I hopped in clean and rested. Every other man we picked up was filthy and starving. I felt sorry they didn't have a Hawkeye to teach them the way. Bruce Becker, the author, is a flute maker, retired masonry contractor, and horse trainer who has lived in Crestone since 2005. And taking a look at some regional happenings, from June 23rd to the 25th, 30th annual Salida Art Walk in downtown Salida, the Creative District showcases the temporary pop-up galleries of local painters, photographers, jewelry, potters, sculptors, and other creations. Join us for a truly local celebration of our Salida art scene. You won't want to miss the mini masterpiece auction. Also, the Baca Groundwater and Sanitation District meeting will be held June 24th at 9 a.m. Also on June 24th, as already mentioned, the CEOLP registration party uh, will be held from 3 to 5 p.m. at Elephant Cloud Cafe. And on Saturday, uh, sorry, that's not Saturday. That would be Wednesday, June 21st, is the summer solstice. 
And we have a public notice. The Swatch County Land Use Office will be holding a series of education and outreach for the public on the passage of the Swatch County Nuisance Ordinance that was recently passed by the Board of County Commissioners. Dates, times, and locations are June 20th, 5 p.m., Center Kiwanis Club of Center, June 21st, 5 p.m., KV Homeowners Association in Moffat, June 26th, 5 p.m., Tomichi Creek Trading Post in Sargent's, June 27th, at 5 p.m., Baca Ground Property Owners Association in Crestone, and June 28th at 5 p.m., Swatch County Road and Bridge, 305 3rd Street in Swatch. To view the Swatch County Nuisance Ordinance that was passed, go to the website www.swatchcounty-co.gov or pick up a, county, a copy at the Swatch County Land Use Office. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us for the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.